Now, some of you out there watching tonight, and I guarantee you right there in their house, you're feeling the presence of God for the very first time ever in your life. That's Jesus that wants to be your friend forever. That peace that just came into your heart, that's Jesus who wants to be with you every day of your life. He wants to take all your worries, all your, your concerns, all your fears. And he wants to just fill you full of peace and love. So right there, just begin to let him touch you. Touch your body. Heal your body. We're going to sing this song again. And sing these words from your very heart, saying, Jesus, I want you to be my friend forever. But I'm telling you right now, there's a powerful move of the Holy Ghost. It's touching people in their hearts. So let it be you. Go ahead, sing it again from the top. What a friend I found. Oh, yes. Closer than a Yes. Touch him, Lord. I thank you right now for touching people healing their bodies right now in the name of Jesus the Lord as the words of this song just burn into our heart and we continue to sing them and continue to sing them Lord the Lord we come into that relationship and that friendship with you that a friend heals his brother and Jesus, you heal people. And that peace settles in their homes. All the worries, all the trials, all the tribulations seem so small. When we have a friend like you, Jesus. Open the eyes of their understanding that they can behold you, Jesus. A friend like you, Jesus. Wow. A friend like you. Mm. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord. You're so amazing. Are so amazing. 
Jesus is so amazing. Lord, we love you. We worship you in this house tonight. Lord, we worship you in this house tonight and we thank you that you hear our prayers. You hear the cries of our heart this night. And that, Lord, you're moving on our behalf. Moving on the behalf of this nation. Moving, Lord God, in the lives of our friends, our family. Because, Lord, that's who you are. That's who you are. Aren't y'all glad you got a friend like Jesus? Amen. Woo! Have a friend like Jesus. Man. Praise God. You know, I love it when the Holy Ghost is in charge because I didn't know my wife was going to play that song tonight. And all day long, I've been having this message stirring in my heart about preaching about the name of Jesus. And I didn't know she was even going to sing that. And I said, praise God, man, we got pay dirt here tonight. Amen. Well, look at somebody and say, man, I'm glad I came to church. Man. I want y'all, I, I, I'm just going to go right into it. I want y'all to get your Bibles out. And I want you to go to Psalms 102.18. I'm, I'm just going to keep capitalizing on this anointing here right now. Preaching on the name of Jesus tonight. Psalms 102.18. It says, this will be written for the generation to come that the people yet to be created may praise the Lord. I believe that's y'all. Amen. For he looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From heaven, the Lord viewed the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoners, to release those appointed to death and to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the peoples are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord. Now, just look at what that says. God's looking down from heaven. He's looking down from heaven. He's hearing the groanings and the cryings of the people. Amen. Why? Because he wants to release the prisoners. He wants to set the people free. He wants to bless people. Listen, God's not up there trying to, you know, kill everybody and, 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 and put bad things on people. God's looking over the, the throne of heaven, looking down and saying, man, I want to heal people. I want to set the prisoners free. All they got to do is cry out to me. Look in the right direction. Hello? So we got a world today that's kind of like, looks like spinning out of control. Looks like everything's going nuts and this, that, and the other. But I want to tell you something. God's not worried. I've said this from the very beginning. God is not worried. God is not sitting in fear. God is not wringing his hands in heaven saying, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? Look what they did. Look what's going on. Oh, my gosh. Look what's going on in the earth. He's not. He's looking down and saying, who wants to be delivered? Who wants to be free? I want to deliver you. That's what he's doing. He's just looking down saying, is there anybody that'll have some faith? Is there anybody that'll believe in me? Is there anybody that'll cry out to me so I can deliver them? Whoo. That's what God's doing. Amen. Now go to Luke chapter four. Luke chapter four, verse 16. So Jesus comes along now. 
Jesus comes along, he comes out, and, and he goes to his hometown, goes to his home church, and he gets up to preach. And he gets out the scroll of Isaiah, he rolls it out, and he preaches his first message. So, so he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you go ahead and read the rest of it, he closed the book. He said, today that's fulfilled in your ears. Everybody got mad, took him out to the brow of the hill, and tried to throw him off Gilly. Praise God, when I preached my first message, nobody tried to kill me. Okay? Now, <clears throat> what I want to show you here, I preached last Wednesday about your treasure. You have a treasure on the inside of you. I believe it was last Wednesday. That you are a treasure. You have a treasure. Knowing Jesus makes you full of the Spirit of God and, has, and you have a treasure to share with people because what people need right now is Jesus. Hear me now. Racism will not be fixed by government. Hear what I'm saying. Racism will never be fixed. You'll never satisfy all the masses. I don't care what goes on. Listen, take racism out of it. Take whatever. Give everybody the same amount of money all the way through the whole world. Give everybody a million dollars. Somebody's going to complain they didn't get it right. Hello? Somebody's going to be complaining because the nature of man on the inside is rotten. I'm just quoting Prophet Jeremiah said, <laughs> right, all hearts are wicked, right? Without Jesus coming into your life and changing your life, ain't nothing going to change. You can wish it to change. You can beg it to change. You can strive for it to change. You can try to gain knowledge for it to change. You can try to do everything in the world, try to form a more perfect union. You're not going to do it without Jesus. Amen? Without God in the middle of it, Listen, things are always going to go awry. Things are always going to go crazy without God in the middle of something. It's going to go crazy in a marriage. It's going to go crazy in raising children. It's going to go crazy, whatever, because if Jesus isn't in the middle of the situation, I'm telling you, it's going to go crazy. Because the heart of man is going to do the wrong thing. Hello? So you have a treasure to go tell people about Jesus. Then Sunday I preached about heroes. I talked about it was Father's Day. I was preaching about fathers need to be heroes. And, but really, all of us need to be heroes. You need to be heroes of the faith, standing up, telling people about Jesus and not being afraid. Amen? So Jesus comes in and he stands in the pulpit. His first message, he says, I'm him. I'm what they were talking about over there in Psalms 102. I'm the one that's come to tell you that I'm here to set the captives free. I'm here to bring liberty. I'm here to open up the prison doors. I'm here to open up the blind eyes. I'm here to get people right with God. Hello? So Jesus is, the answer that Jesus said 2,000 years ago is the same answer for today. And there's no, there's no getting around it. It's not like, well, this is what we believe might work. Hello? See, I don't know about y'all, and, and, and I'm, you know, I'm getting really tired of everybody telling me what I should do, and then it, you try to do it, and then it doesn't work and have any effect, and everybody's like, oh, well, maybe we had the wrong model. 
Well, maybe we need to do, you know, it's like nobody really knows what to do. They're just guessing. But I'm glad I know what to do with my spiritual life because of the word of God says it. Right. And I'm glad to know that I'm on firm ground. I'm on a solid rock. I'm not having to worry about what's going on in the wishy-washy of all the things in the world. I'm not even worried about who's going to win the election because I know who I'm standing on. Jesus. Hello. I know what I think would be best for the United States of America, but I just know this. I'm standing on Jesus. Hello? You can't listen, folks. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get out there and get shaken and, and get all, all wonky because you're worried about, oh, man, what's going to go on? What if this or what if that? I don't know, but I know if I'm standing on the rock, everything's going to be okay. I know if I build my house on the rock, it's not going to fail. Hello? I know that if the winds, the winds blow, the rain's going to come. Came on both houses, but I'm on the rock, it's going to stand. All right? So I want you to go now to Luke chapter 7. I just feel like preaching tonight. Is that okay? I want to stir you up. Luke chapter 7, verse 1. Now, this is the story of the centurion. But I want to show you something here. Now, when he concluded all his sayings in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. And a certain centurion's servant who was dear to him was sick and ready to die. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent elders of the Jews to him. Now, notice who he sent, elders of the Jews to him, pleading with him to come and heal his servant. Now, when they came to Jesus, they begged him earnestly, saying that the one for whom he should do this was deserving. Y'all seeing this? For he loves our nation and has built us a synagogue. Now, wait a minute. Huh? The centurion asked these Jewish people, these Jewish, I don't know what they were because it doesn't really say, right? It doesn't give specifics. I don't know if they were Pharisees or Sadducees or scribes or who they were, but they must have been important Jewish people. So they went to Jesus and said, look, the centurion is deserving because look at these good things he does for us. Works. Listen to me. God does not honor works. God wants you to do good works because he wants his kingdom advanced. Hello? But good works don't gain you favor with God. Hebrews 11, 6 is the only one thing that's going to please God, and that's faith. So I don't know what happened. So, you know, this is one of those stories that Robert's kind of preaching in between the lines, and so y'all can take it or leave it, all right? I like it. I like the deduction I see here, what the Holy Ghost popped and showed me. Okay, so I'm thinking, I don't know how it worked, right? So, but let me just preach it. So, so the centurion hears what the Jewish people said, and he's like, what? Because he was so humble, he wouldn't even come to Jesus. He didn't want to be recognized before Jesus, before the works he did, and because he, 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 you know, built him a synagogue. and He didn't want that. He was humble. He was at the house sending people because he didn't feel like he was worthy to even go speak to Jesus. So we get some other ones. Look, it says, so then Jesus went with them and he was already not far from the house. The centurion sent friends to him, sent friends to him. So I don't know who these guys were, but they definitely were thinking differently. He sent friends to him saying to him, Lord, do not, do not trouble yourself. For I'm not worthy that I should enter under my roof. Therefore, I did not even think myself worthy to come to you, but say the word and my servant will be healed. 
For I am also am a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and say to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does that. Now, it sounds to me like his friends knew the centurion pretty well because they're, they're, they're speaking for him. But I'm just wondering if the friends, since he was a centurion, a military person, if these guys weren't military people also. I don't know. But I just throw that out there because they're speaking what the centurion said and they're understanding it. Right? The first people approached Jesus said, oh, he's worthy to receive a healing. But then these guys come and say, look, we understand who you are. We know who you are. You're Jesus. You're, you're Jesus. Friend forever. You're Jesus, and you just speak the word, and it will happen. I speak the word, and, and, and soldiers do what I tell them to do, and people go and do what I tell them to do, and they get this done, and they get that done, because I speak a word. I speak a word, and it goes out. I have issued a command, and as I've issued the command, it's going to get done. Our heads will roll. And Jesus turned around. He marveled at him. He, he turned. Around him, he said to them, the crowd that followed him, I say to you, I've not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house, and they found the servant well who had been sick. Now, this centurion, his name's not mentioned. We don't know who he is. The Bible never mentions him. We get to heaven, we'll find him. But right now, we don't know. But this guy understood something that we have got to get an understanding of. He understood the name of Jesus. He understood that there, was a, that there was kingdoms and that the kingdom and the rulers of this world are subject to another kingdom. And he understood that Jesus was the son of God, or he believed in his heart that he was the son of God. He believed that he had the right to issue a command and it would get done. He knew that it would supersede everything upon this earthly kingdom that we have down here on earth. He knew it would supersede it because there was a kingdom higher. You see, folks, why everybody's running around this world tearing down statues and doing this and that and the other and calling this and saying this and shouting this? There's another kingdom going on. And I'm telling you, we're not behind. We're not losing the battle no matter what it looks like. You got to get yourself out of the realm of this physical world and begin to see what the name of Jesus holds, the power that it holds. Okay? Now, go to Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at it. Verse 19. Paul speaking here to the church at Ephesus, he says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? He's trying to get the, the church at Ephesus that there's an exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. You remember back when I read Psalms 102 a while ago when it said there's a new people, there's another people going to praise me, and I'm going to show them my power? Here Paul's sitting there saying, wait a minute. Lord, let them see the exceeding greatness of his power towards us. Do you know that God has exceeding great power towards you? But you see what happens to us, the devil wants to come in, he wants to trip us up, because when we pray something and it didn't instantly happen because we don't operate in the land of magic, we operate in the, operate in the principle of miracles. That's different. Miracles are different than magic. 
What most people want is magic. You want to just say it and poof, smoke Paul's, you know, plumes up, and then your answer's right there. Most people want a genie to rub the lamp. And the genie appears and answers their request. And the reason why we want it like that, and I, I don't like to say this because I, I don't like to be discomforted, but we don't want to be discomforted. We don't want to be discomforted. We want everything to go smooth down a nice path like we want it to go. We don't want to have to deal with coronavirus. We don't want to have to deal with wearing a mask. We don't want to have to deal with, you know, uh, what are we going to have to do about, you know, riots and stuff like that. We don't want to have to deal with it. Most people just want to live a common piece of life the way they want it to go. But the problem is we live in a fallen world. So it doesn't work like that. So there's all kinds of corruption. There's all kinds of problems. There's all kinds of wickedness. There's all kinds of accidents. There's all kinds of sickness. There's all kinds of things going on in the world. And if you let yourself get caught up with it and in it, what happens is then you just get swallowed up in it. But if you do like the centurion is and you pick your eyes up and look a little higher to the ruling kingdom that's really ruling everything and get your gaze up higher and get to looking up here where the kingdom of God is and where the answers are, where the blessing is. Listen to me, folks. Man, I want to tell you something. God promises us in the Bible 70 years. You know, Psalms 91 promises 70 years, right? And if by so means you want to go 80, great. You want to go 90? Great. But he promises us 70. And on the other side, he promises us eternal life. So which kingdom's going to be lasting longer? Right? I mean, folks, you ain't going to make it. I mean, maybe make 100. Bill probably, you know, top out at, you know, 110. But I'm just saying, I don't want to live to 110 on this earth. But I'm sure looking forward to living for eternity in heaven. Where you got a body that doesn't get sick. You don't count calories. You don't have to exercise. Just go stand in his presence for about a thousand years and you're just perfect. He said a thousand years. He said a thousand years, but a moment. You follow what I'm saying, church? You got to get your eyes off of this kingdom here. Well, you're trying to build you a kingdom here that you're only going to get for 40 years? Let's say you're really industrious. Let's say you started a business at 20 and it got successful and got big and, 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 and you know, you, you really became, really came into money at 30, which is pretty odd, but let's just say you did it. And so from 30, you made it to 80, 50 years. And you built an empire. For what? To drop dead and step over in eternity and live in a cardboard box under a bridge? You know, you know how they always say, you know, you can't take it with you, but you can sure send it on. Right? So why not build your kingdom in heaven? Why not get your eyes focused off of this earth and the temporal things of this earth and get it over to the other side and get to looking on the kingdom side? where Jesus is in authority, and he happens to be my friend. Woo! You know, down here on earth, it means something if you know somebody important. Right? You know, they always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, I'm glad I know the one who's in charge.
And he's my friend. And he's closer than a brother. And I can talk to him. What am I worried about anything going on in this world? Why do we let the devil get us all tormented in our, 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 our tail in a wad? This exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ. When he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all principalities and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but in that one which is to come. And it's put all things. Everybody say all things. Put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things to the church, which is, which is, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Who says Jesus is in charge. He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of the church. He's in charge of everything. He's in charge of everything going on. He's in charge of everything in heaven and earth. His name's above every name that could ever be named, here or there, wherever. And he's my brother. Go to Philippians chapter 2. That's why the apostle Paul said, everything that we're living on this earth, it's nothing but just a flicker, a flame. It's just like you struck a match and you watch it burn for a little bit and go out. That's all life is here. But on the other side, it's eternal life. Philippians 2.9, therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and those in heaven and those on earth. See, both kingdoms, heaven and earth. Look at this, and those under the earth. Oh, wait a minute. In heaven, on earth, and under the earth. It means there ain't no devil in hell Above the name of Jesus. I've said this a bunch of times, but I'll say it again. You know, I get so mad at Hollywood because they always make the devil out like he's just the biggest. You know, like I always feel sorry for the Catholic priest that goes in to do the exorcism. Because he just gets beat up, thrown up on, spit on, turned around. Just, you know, next thing you know, his head spinning and thrown out of the room. Goes in with his cross and his holy water. And the devil is so powerful. Well, no, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says the name of Jesus, oh, oh, who happens to be my friend, is in no names above his name, that every knee is going to bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. That means every devil is going to bow their knee to Jesus. And we're giving, him any, we're giving him, the enemy, authority? We're giving him power to put fear into our lives? When our brother, Jesus, the one who bled on the cross for us and his blood washed our body, washed our sins away. His broken body heals us. And we're going to turn around and say, oh, I'm sorry, I guess he's not subject to that. No, no, then, then Philippians 2.9 would be wrong. Everything's got to bow. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is no name that's above the name of Jesus. Listen to me, there is no name that is above the name of Jesus. Years ago, back in, oh, I don't know what it was, the early 2000s, late, yeah, early 2000s, I was preaching in, in, in Botswana, Africa, and I was in a tent. I always wanted to preach in a tent. I always just thought that was it. I, I, my, one of the first preachers I ever saw was R.W. Schambach, and he always had these big tents travel around. I just thought, man, I want to be a tent preacher, man. That'd just be the greatest thing, big open-air tent. And so I got my chance. It's a big open-air tent out there, and I got to be the guest speaker that night. And man, I was so excited. And it was hotter than, you know, than here in August. 
And so I didn't care. I sweating, man. I was like, and I was a preaching machine, sweat all over me and everything. And then I got to notice and I got to looking underneath the tent. I could see something out, outside and, and I got to seeing these people out there doing and kicking up dust and urinating at me and stuff. And I was like, Somebody really had to go take care of them boys. I don't know what they're doing out there, but that's not right. And then I asked somebody, I stopped and asked somebody, what are the guys doing out there? They said, oh, I saw the witch doctors. Witch doctors come around, circled the tent out there, all of them, and they're cursing you as you're preaching. I said, really? I said, come on, try it some more. And I'd preach in the name of Jesus. And I'd watch them, and they just, it looked like I'd never seen spiritual warfare like this. I was really being kind of... Uh, I don't know what the proper word is, kind of uh, arrogant, and I probably shouldn't have been, but I was taunting them, and I'd, you know, I'd, I'd say, in the name of Jesus, and I'd watch them, and they'd, they'd take about three steps back every time I'd say that, you know? And I was like, yeah, there's a spiritual force going on here. And it was real, you know? But I knew that Jesus was the name of, was above every name. I knew that nobody could curse me while I was preaching in the name of Jesus. I knew nothing could happen. I knew they had no authority, no power, that there was something going on in the spiritual realm I couldn't see. All I could see was some guys kicking up dust out there. You see what's what the enemy does? He was, he's out there kicking up dust. He's out there causing a stink. He's out there causing smoke and and, and some chaos and trying to make everything look like God's not in charge. Well, I'm telling you, God's still in charge. His name is still in effect today. Go to Matthew 28. Last thing Jesus said on earth. Matthew 28, 18. He said, Jesus came and he spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So, I mean, is it true or not? Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So is that true or not? It's in red, right? No way around it. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. He said, I got something I want you to do. All authority has been given to me, so go make disciples. That's not just for preachers. Hear me. That's not just for preachers. That's not just a preacher's call right there. That's Every person who's a believer in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior has the mandate on them to make disciples. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, oh, wait a minute. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. So you see, folks, how, how the news and the media and everything wants to put a spin on things like, Good people are losing. Churches are irrelevant. Worship is not necessary. There's, don't go to church. Goodness, don't do that. That's what they're trying to say. <clears throat> Censoring uh, videos and stuff, going out with, with, with preachers preaching the, the, the word. You know why? Because they know or they may not totally know, but they're being manipulated by the enemy to go forth and to shut it down because he knows that this is the truth. I was talking to my wife about this this morning. And see, I look at things black and white. I look at things so simple. <clears throat> and I'm glad I do because it makes life easy. 
And so I was looking at it, and I was talking to the Supreme Court's on some big debate right now going on about uh, uh, abortion. And I thought to myself, you know, I'll never forget when, when we were doing embryo transplanting in cattle, and the vet called me in there and said, hey, you want to see this? And, and we had transferred, we'd flushed some embryos out of a cow, and they were taking them in the microscope in there, and they were, they were looking at the embryos and, and which ones were developing and what was going to be a good embryo. And so he showed me this, and he showed me one that didn't develop, and then he showed me one that developed a little bit and then stopped, and then he showed me one that was fully developed and, and what it looked like. And I was looking through a microscope at a cell with, you know, an, an, an egg, an embryo, with all the cells and everything, and they were making all their little divisions, and you could see the little divisions in them, and you could see that. And I, I looked at that, and i never forget. I, I mean, I knew of Jesus, but I remember looking in that microscope. It brought eternity into my thoughts. Because I said, that little thing that I'm having to look at under a microscope to be magnified enough to see is one day can grow up and be a 2,000-pound bull. Right? And the knowledge of that and them showing me that, it just, it just I mean, it overwhelmed me. And I remember going out and, and like, you know, like leaving the room where we were looking at it and going back out and going out in the cattle pens to bring some more cattle and thinking about it. And I remember saying, God, man, that is so amazing. That you, you did it like that. I gave honor to God that he created that. Hello? So why can't, they just, why can't we just get the Supreme Court up there and let them look under that microscope? And why are these men that are supposed to be, and women that are supposed to be so intelligent, supposed to be the most brain, you know, the, the smartest people to help dis, dis, distribute justice into the system, why can't they just look in that microscope and do something so simple to understand that life began right there at conception? I mean, I don't, understand the, I don't understand the complication of that. I don't understand the wrong. If you went to a doctor and you say, we want to have a baby, but we don't know how. Can you help us explain how babies are made? They would take you through the whole thing of one thing leads to the next, and I'm not going to get into that, but, you know. This is how life is created. What, am, I, am I right? Oh, but then... Somehow or another, it steps in, and if you don't want it, you can just get rid of it. Well, it's pretty simple for me to look at this and say, Jesus is in charge. That the devil's not in charge. This world that we live in is not the main world. You got to look higher. You got to look over this junk. You got to look out there and say, wait, 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 there's another kingdom. Oh, that's the one that's really ruling everything. And that's what the centurion did. He said, you're the guy that's in charge. So you say, and it'll happen. And Jesus, he's like blown away. I mean, I doubt he did this, but I see him like this. Wow, I've not found such great a faith in all of Israel. And this is coming from a, a, a Roman centurion. He caught hold of a revelation only because he understood how the system worked that he was in. And if it works like that, it must work over here like that too. Are you all right? You all with me? You hearing me? Oh, man. Oh, man. So just go to John 14. I'm just going to close this. If you didn't get stirred up over this message, well, I don't know what to say. Go to John 14, 12. 
It says, most surely I say to you that he who believes in me and the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than, he, than, than these he will do because I go to my Father. Now stop right there. Don't read on down anymore. Just stop right there. Let me read that again. Most surely I say to you that he who believes in me, the works that I do. What kind of works did Jesus do? Raise the dead. Heal sick. Open blind eyes, right? Lame. And we don't even know. What happened when he said, and a multitude came into him and they were healed? We don't even know what happened in that because they weren't specified. So he says, most assuredly, I say, most assuredly, most assuredly. Most assuredly? I mean, he's saying, this is it. I mean, that most assuredly, that's, that's, you don't say that unless you really mean what you're saying. Right? Most assuredly. I say to you, he who believes in me, not has done a bunch of good works and is worthy of something, but he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. Now, here we go. And whatever you ask in my name, that I'll do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Why? Well, because my name is above everything. Every knee has to bow. Every tongue has to confess. I'm Lord because all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth and under the earth. So anything you're asking or doing or operating in, in my name, because you're believing in me, then it must be going to happen. Last scripture, John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. If you are already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you, abide in me, and I in you. Now, that word abide means to dwell. It means the same as Psalms 91 which says in the secret place, abiding. It means the same like as a hen that spreads out her wings and her chicks get underneath it. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Right there, I think, is where most Christians are getting in trouble because they're trying to bear fruit of themselves. Sometimes we're trying to bear fruit of ourselves because we're trying to do good work so that God can be pleased with us because we don't understand it's a faith system. We think it's a work system. And we all get caught in this sometimes. We're trained like this in this world. We're trained by a world system. You do good, you get a gold star. You don't do good, you don't get one. We're trained in all these things. And our thinking, so we think God's like that. Oh, Jimmy's done good, so he's going to get, you know, his prayer's going to get answered. When the whole time God said, look, you're not going to bear fruit of yourself. If you're trying to do it in your own works, it's not going to work. So if something's not working in your life, maybe you need to stop and see, is this my own work or my own fruit that I'm trying to bear, not his fruit for his kingdom? He says, then neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. I love this last part. For without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you can do nothing. I take that scripture and then I tie it in Philippians 4.13. And I, I pray this a lot. I say, Lord, I know, you know, according to John 15, without you, I can do nothing. 
But then you said in Philippians 4.13, but with you I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. Right? So it's not to say, well, I can't do nothing. No, that's without him. Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Hello? Folks, listen to me. This is where we have to be. This is where we have to live. We got to quit watching the news and we got to get into the good news. We got to quit watching all the things that are going on about us and, and the, what the world's telling us we're, what we're going to spin into. We got to start looking at what the word says. We got to live in the kingdom of heaven, not on the kingdom of this earth. We got to set your sights above all of that. We got to start realizing that we're, we're living for eternity. We're not living for this world. We're not running the race for here. We're running the race for there. And our friend, ah, oh, perfect song. Glad you picked that one. He was closer than our brother. His name's Jesus. And there is no name that's above that name. Amen? So everyone in here and everyone watching, listen to me. The name of Jesus will defeat every obstacle in your life. But it's faith in the name of Jesus. You can shout the name of Jesus like, a, like, like just a tape recorder going off, and nothing's going to happen. But it's when you realize what this message is saying, what this word is saying to you, that you can do nothing on your own, but with him you can do all things. When you get in there and start abiding with Jesus and start realizing who he is and that he is your brother, then all of a sudden life will change for you. You'll start to see miracles happen. You'll start to see God moving and, and just amazing things happening. Oh, it's not going to be magic. It's not going to be rubbing the genie. No, no, no. It's going to be a process. But praise God, you're on the right track. I can say right now that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things happen in my life that I prayed 20 years ago. But I thought 20 years ago I'd receive them in a month. But now I'm walking in them. And I just want you to understand, it doesn't make any difference. I'm going to get to the end of my race. I'm going to fulfill my ministry with joy. I'm going to walk into heaven. I'm going to get to the other side and see glory. And that's what counts. And so if you're out there tonight and you're listening and you're watching this, and you, you just don't, you didn't know this. You didn't know Jesus. You don't know him as your friend. You don't know him as the one who abides with you forever. Well, then now's the time to make that decision. Now's the time to turn your heart to Jesus. Now's the time to get off of trying to do good works and get into faith in Jesus Christ. It's really simple. Romans 10, 9 says, all you got to do is confess it with your mouth and believe in your heart. Right there in your home, you can cry out. Right there in your car, you can just cry out and you can ask Jesus to come into your life, and the faith that's in your heart will produce the miracle right there, and he'll touch you. Folks, listen to me. Everybody in here, everybody else watching, listen, don't get overwhelmed with the things in this world. Do not get overwhelmed with what's going on. You have the name of Jesus. It's time for us to stand up and use it. Amen? So everybody stand up, and I want to pray over you. If you have any offerings tonight, I want to bless them. You're sending in your tithes and your offerings. I, I, I want to just pray over those for you. But I want to bless you tonight. Father, right now I just pray over everyone. I pray that the scales fall off of our eyes and we can behold you, Jesus, truly as our friend. Because, Lord, that means everything. Because if we, if we see you as our friend, then we know everything's going to be all right. and Everything's going to be taken care of. Lord, where people have gotten out of sorts, they haven't th seen things happen in the timeline that they thought it should be, and maybe they've given up, I pray tonight that they be restored in their faith and begin to call out on the name of Jesus. And that name, 
that's above every name. That, Lord, they'll be saved from the, the place they're in. I pray, oh, Heavenly Father, that you bless us tonight. You bless everyone. That, Lord, as we walk in this world, we'll begin to bear fruit for you. We'll take this treasure of knowledge that we have and share it with others and tell people the good news. Tell people the good news that Jesus, you are Lord. And we'll begin to look at the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of this earth. So, Lord, I pray tonight that you bless their offerings, bless the tithes, bless our giving as we're giving into the world and we're sowing into the world and rescuing orphans and, and touching people's lives and broadcasting around this world, I just declare, Lord, that you bless their businesses. Prosper them, Lord. And I thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.